What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 41 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and once again, I am joined by Ash Polson. And once again, we are Andre Free. Uh, currently, he is busy with all kinds of Mario Run stuff, and it just didn't work out as far as timing as it often doesn't, because believe it or not, this is kind of a busy time of year, and uh, it's actually been kind of tricky getting all of our schedules just meshed together. Yeah, it's been hard. I mean, we both, we all, of course, now have holiday shopping and, and general holiday chaos to worry about on top of all the things we uh, all individually need to do. So it has been an incredibly busy, incredibly trying time. And uh, yeah, Andre, unfortunately, he's just working on tons of Super Mario Run content, which leaves us to uh, do the podcast. Yep. And, and it's not too surprising because the thing that happened with Mario Run is that we didn't, the U.S. press didn't get it until the day before uh, <laughs> yeah. it came out. And the embargo was for, I believe, um, 10 a.m. Pacific time on the day of release, basically when it went live for everybody else. Right. Uh, so that was it. Basically, he had to play through the game, get his impressions, make the review, <laughs> put put together the review, and all this stuff. And uh, we talked to him. I think it'd been like two days since he got any like a shower or food or any kind of uh, sleep. <laughs> So yeah. he was kind of ragged. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, and I and, uh, can't blame him. I mean, he, yeah, he was up all night doing that Super Mario Run review, like he said. So, uh, you know, at least we can take care of this. And Andre will be back eventually. We just don't know exactly when yet. <laughs> yeah, I guess that is the big question. So uh, maybe it'll be a New Year's bonus or maybe a Christmas treat. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. But uh, how have you been this week, Ash? Uh, I've been okay, you know, just the, the holidays are kind of escalating, and uh, that's always exciting. The weather here has been great. It's been raining and cold and awesome, which never <laughs> happens in L.A., so uh, yeah, the holidays are starting to gear up, and uh, you know, it's a little lonely when you work from home, and I would like to be going to a few holiday parties, but still trying to get into the holiday spirit, and uh, I did just finish Final Fantasy fifteen a couple of days ago. Nice. Uh, so yeah, I see. I, I want to take away about 10 hours from my overall time because of all the times I left it on running. Uh, so I would say, though, that I clocked in at around 66 to 68 hours. Wow. Um, now, that is, of course, having done tons of optional stuff in the first half of the game. Like, I would say that if you're only making a beeline for the main plot points, you could knock out the game in 25 hours, probably. Oh, okay. Um, but there's so much to do beyond that, and there's so much optional stuff and cool dungeons to explore and, and places to explore in the world that you could, would completely miss if you only hit the story beats. So... I'm still going to go back in and play more, but I have at least finished the story, so I'm ready to kind of uh, talk about how I feel about it and review it, and I think I'm going to try to get a couple of guys together maybe next week to do a discussion on it, like a spoiler discussion and really reflect on the game, so... Nice. Uh, yeah, I really want to talk about it and uh, kind of reflect on it, so yeah. Yeah, that'll be fun. I mean, I haven't had time to play it myself since I first got exactly. it, but I can totally understand the whole... Like, I've barely touched the main storyline. It's all been just side right. content for this first few hours, so it's it's kind of crazy. Uh, I'm looking forward to going back into it, and it's interesting to see, like, did it follow suit where it was very open in the beginning, and as it got towards the end, it very much started to funnel you through? Yeah, uh, absolutely, and that was not a bad thing. It's more that it's this, it's the second part of the game that you can really almost... You can almost see the stitching where parts of the game were cut out and things were stitched together. Like, it's it definitely, the second part of the game, they kind of play fast and loose with a lot of really important plot points. And you're kind of, as you're funneled along, a lot of really important things happen off screen. Mm. Then you only hear about them. And I feel like the story doesn't quite 
come together because you because of the things of the things you can tell that they had to leave out. So yeah, like that's my if I had a complaint with the second half of the game, it would be how how the story is affected by it. But in terms of of the game funneling you toward the conclusion, the second half of the game is pretty exciting in the way that you know you're basically always doing something and you're not you're not there's no wandering around aimlessly. So it it, it is very much two separate games in one. It almost feels like the the first half of the game is so different tonally and and mechanically than the second half of the game. It's very interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I definitely want to check it out and see what it has to offer. I know a lot of people have been enjoying it, and you know, there's. I've seen mostly good opinions about it. Other than the story, the story does definitely seems to be the weakest aspect. Not the characters, the the, the story, and right. uh, that whole like being able to tell that there was cut content. Uh, I haven't noticed that too often in games, but the one that always sticks out in my mind with the one that was there's obviously cuts here is um, I believe it was the second disc of Xenogears when oh, you got yeah. to the very end and all of a sudden like all of a sudden it's like a highlight reel of all this stuff that your characters were up to. I'm like, holy crap! What's going on here? It's going so fast. What is happening? And yeah, I mean, honestly, the second half of fifteen isn't too dissimilar from that in terms of its overall structure. Oh like, god, it does. It is. It is more in depth and it tells you more of the story than Xenogears did in its second disc. But you can tell that there were that there were some things that had to be cut out, some environments you were going to explore, probably some story beats that were going to happen on screen that they just had to pull out. So, um, it, the way I like to think about it, I've, I've really been reflecting on this over the past couple days, and the way I like to think about FF fifteen story is that it has the heart. Of a good, and the shell of a good story, but not necessarily the mechanics and the components of one. Okay. If that makes any sense. So, like, there's a really strong beating heart, and that is Noctis and his friends. So good. Noctis and his buddies, the interplay between them is fantastic and really makes the story work and drive it home. And drives it home. But, kind of, the, a lot of the moving parts around them don't quite work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, so I, I it's kind of like that. that. Yeah, I can totally get that. So, yeah. Uh, did you experience the cup noodle side quest? Because I've heard about I, this I one. did, and it was awesome. So <laughs> many people were so, like, they seemed so offended by its inclusion in the oh, game. Oh, see, I've seen most people be like, this is amazing because of how I cheesy it. it is. Oh, yeah. Like, you've got Gladio say, you know, saying things like, well, you know, Noct, what's your favorite uh, kind? What's your favorite ingredient in cup noodles? Is it the delicious, you know, first-rate meat, or is it the fresh, you know, freshly caught from the sea shrimp, or is it the fresh vegetables? And it's like, is this for real? Is Gladio really <laughs> asking Noct what his favorite part of cup noodles is? I think, like, I think it's, it's the best part. I think the best part of it is, is that it's Gla- Gladio asking this, and not like who you'd expect in Prompto. Like, it's yeah, the no, most, it's ser- totally, one of the most yeah. serious guys be like, you really gotta try this meat, it's so good. <laughs> yeah, no, Gladio's like this big, burly, no-nonsense guy, and he just completely fanboys out over cup noodles. And, I mean, yes, it, there, it's advertisement in the game, but it's so heavy-handed and so ham-fisted that I feel like it's not... It's not a big deal. And plus, you can completely ignore the quest if you want. You don't have to. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to do it. But I, I will say, though, I did uh, was alerted to the presence of some, there were like really tiny American Express uh, like placards oh my in some God, of the really? stores. And that bothers me because I'm like, okay, wait, we're talking about a world, like a fantasy world of EOS here. Like the, the term America or American should have no meaning in <laughs> yeah. EOS. So yeah. that's a little weird. I'm like, nah, I'm not a fan of that. But cup noodles, I'm all about it. You could like make an excuse for cup noodles or the Coleman yeah. camp products, but American Express makes that a little tricky. <laughs> <laughs> it's like America, like, come on, that shouldn't even make sense in EOS. So. <laughs> 
came from this other world. I don't understand it. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but overall, on the whole, I really have enjoyed my time with the game, and I'm already looking forward to jumping back in and seeing what other stuff I can explore and some dungeons I missed in the open world part of the game. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm, like I said, hoping to take some time to play it, but I'm, I'm not hopeful. <laughs> I don't blame you, man. It, it, I mean, it's, you know, these days, man. I mean, I still have World of Final Fantasy to go back and finish. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's so many long, heavy games to play, God, and yeah. just not enough time to play them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. I'm actually, I'm very happy. Like, I, I, my week, I was gone for a little bit because I had a friend from out of town visiting. Uh, we always try to get together as much as we can, just because you live so far away. And we were hanging out, and both of us were interested in The Last Guardian, so I had my copy, right. and we actually succeeded in playing the entire way through. So at least I've played through all of The Last Guardian. I beat a game. Uh, very happy about that. Um, but The Last Guardian, I'm not, I'm, I'm having trouble summarizing my feelings on this game because yeah. it's it's good. You know, the story is, the story has some good beats. Uh, it has some very emotional moments. It has some pretty interesting twists to it that all kind of work but for whatever reason i did not find myself truly connecting to trico the beast interesting um and i don't know whether it's because of the frustration because it was so so obtuse sometimes exactly because you have no direct control of it you can only sort of like call over or ride on top of it and sort of point and hope it does exactly what you want to do or what you think might happen that it can help you out and it's just so i don't know it sort of affects the puzzles where like you only kind of know what you need to do and whenever it's clear what you need to do for it it works and the gameplay is a lot of fun and it kind of reminds me of sort of like a, a actual sequel sequel to eco rather than just being in the same kind of world like shadow of the colossus because as far as i know there is no connection to either Ico or Shout of the Colossus in in Last Guardian. Right. Um, which is kind of interesting in my mind because I was actually kind of expecting, like, okay, how is this going to connect in some tangential way? But, yeah, I, I, I would say I like the game, but I it did not blow me away in the way, same way that Shout of the Colossus did or Ico did back in the day. And who knows, maybe it's because the gameplay elements of, the, of this is, are so rooted back in the PS2 era. And it's hard to go back, but I remember I got the HD versions of Shadow of the Colossus and Eco, and I remember still having fun with those. So I don't know. There's, it's not a bad game, and it's interesting to play, and it's it has some worthwhile moments, but it didn't click all together for me, and I'm not I, I can't fully wrap my head around why. Yeah, you know, I, I've been reading a lot of the same, a lot of similar impressions to that, and. All, all I can surmise, I haven't played The Last Guardian yet myself. I plan to. I want to. Um, the only thing I can surmise is that it was in development for so long that it that maybe games game design kind of moved on while they were still making this one game, and that that might be the reason why The Last Guardian feels so much like a like a last gen game or like a last era game. Yeah. Just because it's not, it kind of is in, in a way because this game has been in development since the early days of the PS3. So in many ways. You know, game design has evolved in 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 some aspects beyond maybe what the Last Guardian is doing because they've been working on this one game for so long. Yeah, I I, I mean, 
I, that has to be it. It really, it really feels like it because it does feel like an older game, and it's beautiful at moments. It really is. Sure. But the frame rate is not very consistent. The Trico AI is not exactly the greatest. I've had yeah. I had multiple times where uh, because of the way it was shaking about or the way it was moving, it killed me. <laughs> it just tossed me off what? a ledge. Really? Oh, yeah. well, I did. So Trico can actually accidentally kill you. Yes. <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. Or like I thought I was hanging on and he made a jump and I like all of a sudden was flying off into the distance. I'm like, oh, <laughs> whoa, shoot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, like I said, when it works, it works. And there is some like there are some definite highs in this game that where it really clicks and it's like you get affected by it and you get uh, you you get invested. But then there's other times where you're just like. What do I do? <laughs> you know, what, yeah. do, what do I need to do? And I actually had to look up. There was one part where I had to look it up. Like I had the basic idea of what I needed to do, but exactly how to achieve it, I I, I couldn't figure it out. Like I was trying to think yeah. about it. And then when I saw it, I was like, well, how the hell was I supposed to know that? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could have noticed or something like that, but I'm so used to being connected to Trico that I couldn't figure it out because it was actually something right. you had to be far away and then call him over for and uh-huh. he, what he would do him the act of calling him over would allow you access to the next bit that you needed to do and it was just i don't know it's it's like i said it's not bad i think it's if you're interested it is very worth playing very much uh-huh. worth playing but i'm not sure if you it's going to be it's not going to be the same experience as eco or shadow of the colossus to me shadow of the colossus is still the best game of this pseudo trilogy yeah, I mean, and, and that doesn't surprise me. I, 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 Shadow of the Colossus is so, so good. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, the ending alone just propels it into the into the stratosphere. But then you have everything that comes before that, mm-hmm. and it's so it's such good storytelling. It, it's it's in world. It like I feel like Shadow of the Colossus defines like in game storytelling without like showing you a bunch of cutscenes. The, the story, you know, kind of develops as you play the game and, you know, really without having to show you too many cutscenes. And that I think that's always one of, been one of the things that Shadow Colossus is really impressive for. And The Last Guardian, I, I, I don't know, like I feel like there's potential there and I'm looking forward to playing it, but I've been seeing kind of like a, almost a Skyward Sword effect where some people are like, I don't know what you're talking about. I had no problems and Trico's AI responded to me every time and it's great. And then there are other people who are like, man, I'm like bumbling my way through the game. This feels like last gen game design, like Trico's AI doesn't work. I'm just mm-hmm. feeling my way around. So it's kind of interesting because there's definitely a divisive kind of uh, thing going on here. Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I don't dislike the game, but it's also like you talked about the storytelling. Uh, Trico... Uh, uh, Last Guardian, excuse me, uh, does have cutscenes that actually fleshes out, and the little boy has a narration that runs kind of throughout the game that like spells out some things, and it's like, huh? I, I actually like having that narration there. Is like, okay, I kind of get it. You're giving me context for things, but it's also no. <laughs> this is sort yeah. of like. I, this is the, it, a lot of times it felt not needed. A lot of and a lot of times they would try to do that in order for, in order to give you like clues and hints, which I kind of get. But it was also just like again, it pulled me out. And I mean, I don't know. It, it didn't again. It didn't fully work for me. I could see the idea and where they were going for with it, but it didn't yeah. just did not click in the in just the perfect way that the previous games did. So. Yeah, it's one of those things. I don't get it. But well, we'll see. I'll play it eventually, probably after the new year. But I am going to play it. So okay. uh, we'll be, see what I think when I get there. Yeah, I'll be interested in seeing what you end up uh, 
just thinking about about it all. But in the meantime, I actually got to play another game. I've been uh, slowly working my way through it, but uh, Mario Run has kind of <laughs> taken over my life uh, as far as coverage. Um, Shantae Half Genie Hero finally came out to Kickstarter right. backers, and I've been playing that, and I've put in, I've put in a good uh, three hours or so. Uh, three or four hours, just working my way through, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. This is classic Shantae, and it's especially since you're actually doing the transformations and everything. Uh, right. I don't have a fully formed opinion of it whatsoever yet, but what I have played, I've really enjoyed. The writing is as strong as ever. The the graphics are great. It's so colorful, and uh, it, it's it's just a really fun platformer. Cool. Well, I mean, God, you know, platformers are my middle name, so I've obviously been looking forward to Shantae Half Genie Hero as well. I, I didn't back it for whatever reason. I just forgot. I kept thinking about it, and I never actually got in as a backer. <laughs> You're so. why we didn't get full voice acting, Ash. Thanks. I know. I guess so. I just kept forgetting. So I, <laughs> I don't get early access, unfortunately. But it comes out on December 20th, so I don't have that very long to wait either. No, you'll be able to play it pretty soon. And, you know, you'll. it doesn't seem like a very long game at all, so I'm probably pretty getting pretty close to the end. But there's a lot to collect, so I'm enjoying yeah. the exploration aspects of it. It's, you know... It, it definitely works, but again, I'm not ready for a full, like, opinions of it yet, especially, you know, just, you know, other things might pop up, annoyances might right. show up, you never know. Right. Uh, so, yep. And then finally, of course, I've been playing Mario Run, <laughs> and I'm actually, you finally downloaded because I know you were kind of down on the game and didn't weren't impressed at all. H- how much have you played since you've downloaded it? Um, I've played some. I, I think I've played up through one, three. So it's actually same as I as you could in the Apple Store. I've been doing some Toad Rally though, and um, it's fun. I mean, I just I just don't know if it's the game for me. I don't think it's a bad game. I, maybe I sounded too down on it in my initial impressions about it uh, with Andre, but I don't know. I mean, I like it, and I'll probably keep playing it on and off. But it's not going to consume me. I don't think like. It's not the kind of game where I would think, oh, I'd rather play this than, like, Pokemon Moon, you know? Yeah. I'd just rather whip out my 3DS and play that. But I think for the kind of game it is, it's great. And I think it's going to appeal, obviously, to a lot of people. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit with the news. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think it's necessarily the game for me. And that, that's and that's okay. I just don't know if it's... I don't I don't think I'm going to go back to it all that much. Yeah, I can, I can see that. I mean, I don't know how long it'll last for me. I've beaten... The main campaign. I'm working my way to get all the co- the special coins. I've been playing a ton of Toad Rally, and I gotta say, it's it's perfect for those short bursts. The level are sh- levels are short. You can get through Toad, Toad Rally uh, very quickly and experience everything. And you know, it's great for like, oh, I'm waiting for this render. Well, I can't. You know, it's not going to take too long, and. I, I have to boot up uh, my 3ds or whatever, and I can't really watch this video. So you know what? Let's just play a level or two of Mario Run and that's where right. I see it really taking hold and a lot of times actually what I'm most surprised about is just how addicted I am to Toad Rally because I put out yeah. I put out my uh, friend code right on Twitter and got a lot of requests and so whatnot so now I have a lot of people on my uh, friends list and they actually rank you with how many toads you've collected as a sort of a scoreboard and my god seeing the people I'm up against and being like <laughs> I'm not in my own top 10. What the hell? I need to fix this. And then going yeah. to Toad Rally and wanting to get the special toads so you can get the unlockable characters and all that stuff. I'm like, oh, God, this is actually getting its hooks into me because I I'm, I'm actually want to collect these damn toads. <laughs> so Yeah. And it's, yeah. And, it's, and, it's, and it's one of those things where you just want to play better in order to you know do that because it, it does punish you for not beating a score. They'll take away toads from you. But if you win, you'll 
you know, actually get more toads, and it becomes a sort of gamble. And I, I don't know. It's it's quite addictive. I think for me, it's just. I guess for me, I don't really find that kind of gamble, that kind of gamble or risk fun when I don't have as much control as I want to have over what I'm doing. Uh, yeah. And again, it's it's the nature of the game. It's not the game's fault. It is it is an automatic runner. But I just I prefer to have complete control in a platformer. And in, in automatic runners, you don't. And especially if you're going to be playing a game mode where you can, you know, lose standing or your ranking just by losing and you don't have control over your character anyway. I don't know. It just doesn't really scratch that itch for me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I just, I, I get really frustrated when I miss a red coin because of like, <laughs> no, you know, I, didn't no, I just totally get it. I totally yeah. get that when you're going for that coin and you miss time you jump and you miss it and there's no way to go back. And it's like, yeah, ah. I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like it's less about platforming skills and just more about tapping at the right time. I guess mm-hmm. you know what I mean. A little bit. I mean, they, they yeah. do get involved and have it be in different ways and having different pa- paths you can go on that require different uh, tapping and all that stuff. So it, it, you're right, but you're also yeah. there's also a little bit more to it than just like no. Minus I know you're tapping, right, which helps a lot. If it was just minus yeah. tapping, I'd be bored and very quickly. And who knows how long this yeah. will last? But I am. I mean, I, I put this out on Twitter, and people have had different opinions. A lot of people were actually bulking at the idea of paying $10 for this game, uh, despite the yeah. fact there's no microtransactions. Uh, and we'll get into the, uh, that a little bit later. But it, it is interesting to me how people are having that thing. But uh, for the fact that I see all these instances where they could easily have microtransactions in this game and they're not there – is, yeah. is probably the most interesting thing to me is like how Nintendo really could have done the microtransaction route and though they went for the flat pay rate route. And I'm curious to see how that works out for them. Well, at least in the short term, it's not working out well for them at all because their shares have dropped uh, despite oh, Super Mario Run's release. Investors are always like that. It's well, but I, it's, it's because they it's it's specifically because investors want them to be using microtransactions. Not they're they're seeing the investors are thinking. Well, there there's a, an upper limit to how much each person can spend on this game, so Nintendo made the wrong move. I don't buy into investors at all. They are so skittish about things that I I'm glad I'm not investing because it just seems I mean, like they got the, the worst money job. though, that, and that's the problem. Yeah. It's like I mean I agree with you, and they, and they should not be listened to in terms of their opinions you, on games. You just, but you just wait if it's they're the success- ones with the money. If it's successful enough, they'll come back and it'll be in droves yeah. and all that. It fluctuates so much. I don't. Like I said, I don't t- take ha, don't take stock and all that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, uh, we'll see. I mean, yeah. I think uh, I think obviously it's already been a sales success, which we're going to talk about later on. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how things work out long term with this game. I'm curious to see what kind of legs it has. Yeah, I am too. Uh, see if it lasts longer than uh, Mitomo or in Pokemon Go or not. We'll see. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, I guess the only other thing I have uh, that uh, I did do this week is I went to see Arrival with my friend. Uh, did you? Okay. Have you seen that movie? Uh, no, but I wanted, I honestly haven't seen a movie in like in the theater in probably like four months. Oh man. I don't even know how long it's been. Like we just don't have time out here to do it. It's yeah. just too, it's yeah. I get, I get you. It, it's sort of my escape. I will go to the movies by myself just to get out of the house. Yeah. Uh, and you know, just do something, you know? Um, yeah. I wanted to see that though. How was it? It's really good. It's, it's, I mean, definitely go in blind. Don't know anything about it other than the basic premise. And it all, uh-huh. like the way, the, the themes they cover, the, how they cover it, 
how it all comes together. It it feels like a very current movie, and I like the way they handled everything. And it, it, it all like, I don't want to get into depth because I think people it's well worth watching. Uh, but uh-huh. it, I, it, it's definitely in a very good movie, and I, I I enjoyed it. I think some people might be turned off about some aspects of it, especially sure. towards the end. But I I bought into it and I, I enjoyed it. Well, good. I mean, I've heard generally good things about it, and I love Amy Adams, so yeah. you know, I'd, I'd love to go see it. It's just, honestly, I really think the last movie we saw in theaters was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. Oh, God. Like, that that's how, and, and actually we had a good time, or at least I had a good time because I'm a Turtles fan, but it wasn't a great movie. No. Um, but honestly, like, that's just, I don't know, I think it's it's gotten to the point for us where movie, seeing movies in theaters is just like, it never seems worth it. Like, it's cool, but it's so expensive. You have to worry about parking and going, and it's just, I don't know. Yeah, it's it a never lot, seems worth the trouble. It's a lot more difficult for you guys out there than it is for me, because I, I literally drive maybe five minutes to the local theater. I got myself a, uh, they offer like a bucket deal where if for you can get, for $22, you get this bucket, and you have it for the year, and all you have to do for that bucket now is $4, and that's the same price of one of their small prop popcorns, so you get a bit of a deal that way. Tickets aren't, oh, okay. tickets aren't too bad, usually around $12, $13 bucks, uh, okay. for a non-matinee showing, and I can you know, kind of have a decent night out for about 20 bucks. No, it's not bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the ticket alone here costs twenty bucks. Ugh, that's awful. And then, and then you're paying on top. It's like $18 for like a, for like a matinee showing. Ugh. And then you're paying on top of that for if you want any food. So we'll typically like go to Seven Eleven to get some snacks and like you know sneak them in. <laughs> yeah. But you know that's why we don't go just because like it's that and it's parking and it's like why if you can just wait a couple of months and get a movie on Blu-ray and just watch it at home. Mm-hmm. Like that's honestly that's probably what we'll do with Rogue One. I know everyone's freaking out about Rogue One right now, but we're not <laughs> Star Wars fans. My my wife and I we don't uh, really yeah. care about Star Wars, so we're like eh, we'll probably just wait. What you can't wait to see. Rogue One, you have to see it in theaters. Eh, not really. I, I could wait. <laughs> yeah, I get that. I, I, yeah. I get that. I'm hoping to see it. Hopefully tonight. We'll see how my schedule works out. But yeah, uh, we'll you know hoping to see it. And uh, yeah, hopefully a good time. I've actually seen some people that really like it and some people that didn't care for it at all. Interesting. So okay. I'm curious where I'm going to fall in fall in line with these people. Uh, yeah. With these views. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. But any other things that happened for you this week? Uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, other than just kind of working and uh, staying the course, you know, the usual. Yeah, exactly. All yeah. right. Well, then let's get into our news topics. And the first one I chose especially for you that, that came out just today. But Mega Man is coming to the iOS. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's interesting. Exactly. Capcom announced today that Mega Man's 1 through 6 are coming to the iOS as... I, I app store games and not as a, a pack but individually so you have to buy each one on their own and i'm like really you're trying this yeah. strategy why now, the the new story i read about this said that it's japan only for now so it might just be rockman one through six in japan mm-hmm. not necessarily here yet do you understand the same thing or i i mean that makes sense i yeah i think it is literally just it's just rockman one through six coming to ios in japan but not n- nothing about U.S. yet. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It might not come to the U.S. Because here's the thing: I I don't know how you would play a game like Mega Man on oh, the it iOS. Oh, sounds terrible. Yeah, the, no, it sounds yeah. There is 
No way. And I've, I've there's some games that can handle the the virtual uh, D-pad pretty well and get the controls working and all that stuff. But even so, they still feel like such a handicap compared compared to other things. Like I, I picked up Shantae Risky's Revenge on iOS when I had no 3D uh, DSi. So uh-huh. I play, tried to play it that way. And I had fun with the game, but I was constantly just having issues with the controls. And they were as well as you could expect, you know. Right. And if, I mean, I... Yeah. To have something just as precise as Mega Man on the iOS just makes no sense to me. No, I hear you. Although I will say, I, I generally I agree with you, but I have said this before. Uh, I swear by the Sonic 1 and Sonic 2 ports on iOS. They are the best or among the best versions of Sonic 1 and 2 available anywhere. Mm-hmm. And and those are, those are good examples of virtual touchscreen controls done really well. So they can be done. They'll never... Touchscreen will never be a, a suitable replacement for an actual controller, but touchscreen virtual controls can be done well, and Sonic is proof. So I don't believe that Mega Man 1 through 6 are going to play nearly as well, and the only reason I say that is because if you look at the evidence we currently have, which is the current version of Mega Man 2 and Mega Man X on the on iOS, they're awful. I mean, they're <laughs> embarrassingly bad. So I don't really have a lot of faith that these new versions of 1 through 6 are going to be any better on iOS, but... Hey, I'd love to be wrong. Yeah, but the other difference there is that Sonic is a one-button game, essentially. Uh, so, yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're not shooting anything. That's a good point. Yeah, and with yeah. Mega Man, you you got you to gotta jump and shoot. <laughs> so yeah. I've, we'll see. I mean, it's Japan only and whatnot. At least they're doing something with him. But come on, get, yeah. beyond, get beyond one through six at this point. I know. I mean, that's, that's the thing. Is it like... Stop re-releasing one through six over and over again. Like I mean, Mega Man Legacy Collection was great, and I would still say that they are the definitive versions of the of those six games since the original NES cartridges. But Mega Man's so much more than that, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's like let's see seven through. I mean, if you're going to keep doing re-releases, fine. But let's see seven through ten. It's not like you know one through six. Those aren't the only Mega Man Classic games. You have four more at least, yeah. and you have the Game Boy games. Yeah, there's so a lot they can do with it. A lot they can. Just do something other than freaking yeah. one through six. <laughs> exactly. Ugh. Yeah. So yeah. Well, next up we have uh, out of Google. Uh, Pokemon Go is the most searched for term on uh, on Google this year, uh, which honestly is not that that surprising. I mean, uh-huh. considering it just how huge the game was. And in addition, uh, Gen two Pokemon ha- uh, have been added to the game in about the stupidest way possible. Right? I I was not expecting that. Like, yeah. I just... I don't know. I mean, I know Neontic have made a lot of really boneheaded decisions about this game, and I guess there's no reason they wouldn't continue. But, God, of all the ways they could have they could have done this long-awaited rollout of Generation 2 Pokemon, they, they picked probably among the worst ways to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's... Here's the, the thing. Is, I mean, the only ones available right now are the baby Pokemon outside of Tyrogue from Gen 2. Uh, and you have to ha- hatch them through an egg, and I don't. Right. But here's the worst part of it: none of the eggs you have currently will count. Have, have they have no chance of becoming one of these new Pokemon? Uh, you have to get new ones from Pokestops. Right. So all the ones I'm full up, and most of them are five kilo- kilometers and one ten kilometer. I'm like, how the hell am I going to hatch all these eggs when I barely play the game as at all as it is? It's not. It's the farthest thing from instant gratification as you can. And I've heard a lot of people saying how they've uh, had, like, a lot of people are buying a bunch of incubators so they can burn through their eggs. 
and yeah. then get the new ones and hope to get a new Pokemon. And it's just like, really? I, yeah. Add some variety. I was, when I was taking my friend to the airport, I uh, was walking around and uh, had Pokemon go out because I was hoping to get a Ditto and I did find a Ditto. Nice. And it's just like, man, it's still just Pidgeys and Rattatas and Paris and all this other, these common Pokemon. And I'm like, it really is. It's still not fixed. Like just having a Hootoot in there would do something for the game. Uh-huh. So I don't know. It's just, it feels dumb. <laughs> it feels really dumb. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I probably stayed into the game longer than a lot of people. And I still, you know, I still whip it out every once in a while and enjoy it enough. But <laughs> it does seem like, it does seem like Neontic is going out of their way to discourage people from continuing to play the game. And I'm certainly feeling like that now. Like I just uh, discovered yesterday that Pokestops no longer give, give out experience if your bag is full. It used to be that, that even if your bag was full, you'd still get the experience bonus from activating the Pokestop. Now that's gone. That's... So they punish you for having a full bag, which I guess the point is they want you to buy a bag upgrade. So oh, you yeah. can then hold... But they, they didn't used to lock experience behind that. Yeah. And I'm just like, all these really boneheaded decisions. And like it just it seems like they continuously give the middle finger to their most dedicated players. And I'm just like, I'm losing interest really fast because I'm like... What's the point? Yeah, I you got me. I mean, yeah. At least you got that new Pokemon Go Starbucks coffee, I guess. No, it's not even coffee. Like that, even that, I don't want to try because it's one of those fruit cream-based drinks. I don't, which I don't even bother with. I'm like, give me coffee or a coffee-based frappuccino, sure. But I'm not. It looks like I think it's some sort of like boysenberry or yeah, like boysenberry cream frappuccino, which does not interest me <laughs> in the slightest at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. This is not for you. But hey, at least as much as you go to po- uh, Starbucks, at least you have a constant uh, Poke Stop. Not that you're hurting for Poke Stops to begin with. Exactly. And now I mean, my bag's you know, permanently full anyway because there's ever, nothing ever worth like worthwhile to catch anymore. So I have all these Pokeballs, nothing to use them on, which also means I can't get experience from Poke Stops because my bag is always full. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, what's the point, you know? Yeah, it really is. And I mean... It's great for Pokemon Go that they were the most searched for term this year, but that's not going to be the case next year, that's for sure. Sure isn't. Nope. Uh, we can. I I think we can safely say that Neontic has squandered the, their opportunity with Pokemon Go by this point. I think so, too. I mean, I don't, you know, it's still going to make some money for them, and it must be doing fine because it, they continue. Yeah it's, yeah, it's still in the top five, but yeah. I don't know. It, it feels like so much potential is gone, at least for me personally. They've lost me. Yeah, no, I mean they're they're just about to lose me. I don't know. I mean the daily, the daily streak thing got me in back in for a little while, and that's cool. And they should have done it a long time ago. But mm-hmm. beyond that, I mean, if they're not ever going to switch up the kind of Pokemon you can catch, you know, around your area, or you know, and they're going to disable trackers, and they're not going to give you experience for activating Pokestops if your bag is full, and all, and you can only get new Pokemon via eggs. Like it's just they continuously screw over their longest players. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't care anymore. Why would you stagger the release of Gen 2 Pokemon? Yeah. Why not? Hell, if, yeah. It would be huge if like, okay, here's all the Gen 2 Pokemon. Get out there and catch. Or if you're not going to do that, if you're going to release them in waves, that's fine. But then make them appear on the map as regularly catchable Pokemon. Don't limit them to X because then you're just still, you're catching the same Pokemon you did before. Nothing else new ever appears and you have the same problem. 
And you have to keep the, 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 the death knell for Pokemon Go for me. It's the fact that you still have to keep the app open yeah, for it to ugh. track anything that you do. That's why you got to get that like, Poke whatever, the Poke. No way. Pokemon, Pokemon the, the, Go Plus. Never in, my, never in a million years am I going to get one of those for the sole purpose of having something that the app should be able to do anyway. Yep. Exactly. That's crazy. And, that, and for me, that's what kills it. It's like I have too much that I want to do on my phone on any given walk other than Pokemon Go to th- th- that I want to do that I can't because of Pokemon Go. Mm-hmm. So just too many things, you know, too, too many combinations of too many crappy things at once, I think. <laughs> yep. That's probably the best way to put it. Yeah. So, ugh. But on to good news. Uh, I'm very <laughs> happy about this one. Yeah. Valkyria Revolution is coming to the West. It's called Valkyria Azure Re- Revolution uh, in the in J- Japan, but they changed up the name for their Western release, which that's fine. I'm I'm still you know I don't care. It's coming West. We haven't we didn't get Valkyria Chronicles three, uh, which was a bummer. But I love Valkyria Chronicles, and I know Revolution plays a little bit differently from the old games. Don't care. I'm supporting the hell out of this game. Uh, yeah, no, me. I mean, I I don't know if I'll ever have time to play it. Um, I did love the Valkyria Chronicles games, though, so I want to, and I want to support it. I'm, I'm so. I mean, I figured it would come to the West, but I'm really happy that we finally have confirmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very unsure for a while, but seeing it actually make it over, and I I I really hope they do some sort of compilation with two and three at some point, because they, they were just handicapped by the fact that they, at least in the West, uh, that uh, by the sheer fact that they were on the PSP. No, totally. I mean, although I, I can't help but plug myself here, yours truly did uh, localize an art book for Valkyria Chronicles 3 where you can get the entire story in that book. Obviously, it's not, it's not the same as playing the game, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's something. I guess. I'd rather play. <laughs> no offense I mean, to you. it's still the... Oh, I don't blame you, but it's still... I think it's the only of, of the officially or Sega-sanctioned uh, translation of the story available these days. Yeah, I think so. Which is crazy, yeah. I don't get it. I at some point, I really i I am pondering the idea of maybe doing a stream of Valkyria Chronicles just to show people how good this game is and why it is worth your attention. Because it is a great game. It yeah. is so good, and it and it's much like you look at it. It's like oh, it's just like anime World War alternate reality World War Two game. No big deal. But no, they really get into some uh, themes that you I was not expecting. Uh, yeah, going into the game, and I really came to enjoy each of the characters. So, uh, I please support this game because I I, I, mean, I don't know if it's good or not. It hasn't even come out in Japan yet. That's uh, end of uh, January when it's coming out. Then, but right, this is a series I deeply adore, and I really hope uh, it signals us getting more of the Valkyria uh, series. <laughs> Yeah, no, I hope so too. I mean, I think those are, we don't really know of any games beyond uh, Valkyrie Revolution coming anywhere yet. No. So, so, but I, I, do we know how uh, Azure Revolution did in Japan? Uh, no, well, it hasn't come out yet in Japan. Oh, it hasn't come out there yet either. Yeah, okay. End of, then, Japan, end of January is when it comes out. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Well, then hopefully, I mean, hopefully it does well in both territories. So the series has a nice, healthy future ahead of it. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. So, yep. Uh, well, in other news, uh, Ukulele has been dated for release in April of 2017, and the Wii U version has been canceled. <laughs> Big surprise there. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, as soon as I as soon as you read the title, like Wii U version canceled for Ukulele, you knew there was going to be a big blow up about that. Oh uh, yeah, and people are going to be upset, which. 
To be fair, like a lot of people like saw ukulele, how it looks like Banjo Kazooie, they associate that with Nintendo and totally they wanted it on a Nintendo system. But from the perspective of uh, Platonic, I mean, I, apparently they wanted to get on there, but if there's some sort of bug that they didn't get, they encountered or some sort of problem, they could not put it out there. Who knows? But it, it, honestly. Uh, honestly, I would say that was a big uh, foot-in-mouth moment for Platonic. I mean, I want this game to do really well. I'm super excited about it. But I, and I think a lot of other people had assumed, that the reason wasn't wasn't coming to the Wii U was the obvious one, which is the Wii U is dead. Yeah. Like, why would you release a game on Wii U in April of 2017? But they opened their mouths and they said, well, guys, you know, ukulele not coming to Wii U actually doesn't have to do with the Wii U being dead. It's because we couldn't deal with this technical issue. And even if that's true, and it may, it might be, don't say that. Yeah. Like it's it's oh, you already have enough people pissed off at you that you're not bringing this game to Wii U because the system's dead. Don't make it sound worse. Like they really that's something they should have kept to themselves. I think. Yeah, it, it does feel like a bit of a misstep because I think people would have accepted that it's not worth it. I mean, I, I mean, it's hard to say for the Kickstarter because I did not personally back ukulele. I meant, like you with right. Shante, I meant to, but I didn't. I just slipped. Past no, same me. here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I don't have a stake in this or anything like that, but um, it makes it makes sense to me to get rid of the Wii U version, especially when they they are offering up the option to sw- go to the Switch version. You know, sw- change it over your pledge to that or any of the other systems if you so desire. Which right, good on them that they're allowing that. Uh, they're trying to help this as much as possible, but. Yeah, I mean, well, I think they kind of have to, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. they can't just screw out a whole swath of of supporters. Oh no, that'd be, that'd be bad. <laughs> yeah, they have to let them switch. Yeah, yeah, switch either ah. switch to switch or to something else. <laughs> yeah, um, exactly. You know, but, but that's why it's kind of tricky because, like, I was totally on. Even if there are sides here, like, I was totally behind Platonic in terms of you know, like, we knew that this was probably going to happen, and I was like, well, this is going to be a total, you know excuse the language, shitstorm, uh, for Platonic. But, you know, you can't help it. They're in a tough position. You know, we use dead. But then they release that thing, well, it's not, you know, because it's dead, but because we couldn't work it out technically. Now I'm like, well, Platonic, I mean, you had me before, but now I feel like, man, I kind of do feel bad for all the Wii U backers because it really isn't just because their system's dead, but because you just don't, you just can't work it out, I guess. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a little on the middle on that now. Yeah, just a bit. So we'll see how it all yeah. ends up. But I mean, I'm still excited to play the game at least when it comes Me, out in April. Yeah. So Me too. I did see it at, at uh, PlayStation Experience, and I was able to get some off-camera footage of it a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was on the channel, and it's looking great. I mean, I, I can't wait to play it, and it really does seem like that that definitive revival of the 3D platformer collectathon genre that has you know been missed for so long, at least by some of us. Mm-hmm. So. I'm looking forward to the game, and uh, you know, hopefully, whatever happens with the Switch version, you know, it may be a, a small comfort now, but hopefully, it won't be too far past the April date for the rest of the other consoles. I just feel like I feel like if they not only cancel the Wii U version, but then like don't release the Switch version until like the holidays, let's say like 2017. Oh yeah, that's really not that's not cool. No, not at all. So so we'll, yeah, we'll see how that all ends up. And actually, um, I saw a couple of people, a couple people mentioned this as well. But Bloodstained allowed for people to get it on the Wii U as uh, get that game on the Wii U as well. And they haven't th- canceled it yet. Uh, they haven't canceled it yet. But it's also that's a game that's not due until 2018. 
Do you yeah, really exactly. think they're going to bring out a Wii U game in 2018? <laughs> There's no way. It, they, they have to be considering, well, not even considering, they have to just be waiting for the right time to drop the announcement mm-hmm. that they're moving to Switch. Yeah, I, I assume that because they have time, they could just say, okay, Switch version. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But then again, I mean, hey, all, all us Wii U owners, we do at least get Mighty Number no. 9. Or something, and which is the worst version? So, right, <laughs> or the the worst version of a bad game, or yeah. a, an F game. So, yeah, and yeah, and the and Mighty Number no. Nine still hasn't come out on 3DS or oh, Vita. That's true. <laughs> so, the people who backed it for those for the 3DS and Vita are still waiting. Yeah, and I think I think everyone's still waiting for certain rewards. Yeah, like I haven't seen any like and, I haven't seen any kind oh. type of rewards as far as like soundtrack or anything like that which to be fair like they, they build up the soundtrack and then you hear the in the game like this is cr- yeah this is crap i don't even ca-. like uh, personally i don't even care if i don't get any of this other back rewards Me like neither. this is such a crap game it's like i wash my hands of it <laughs> I, I do wonder what happened there because i mean that my number nine soundtrack was done by manami matsumai who was the original Mega Man composer so how did that happen like unless it was just bad direction no. maybe she got some maybe she got some bad direction but her talent's proven. Like, she obviously is a great musician. So what happened, I wonder? I have no idea. They just had that one main theme and everything else was just noise. Yeah. So. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. Next up uh, is Super Mario Run has been downloaded 2.85 million times in the first day. Now, that is, that is from VentureBeat, and uh, I forget the website that they were using to track that. But a few others have come out as with different numbers for how many times it was has been downloaded the first day. Uh, the highest I've seen is 5 million, but it, nonetheless, uh, it's pretty massive, especially when you compare it to uh, Pokemon Go. Its first day had 900,000, but then it had a major jump up in uh, within the first three days. So we'll see how it continues beyond that and also this is downloaded not exactly paid for so so not premium downloads exactly we don't know if these are the premium ones or not this is just downloaded right well and and uh you know going back to my prior point i think that's what has investors a little spooked because really it's either it's zero or one it's off or on either you pay for it or you don't there's no like oh i'm gonna try it maybe buy a couple of bucks worth of things and then give up on it Mm -hmm. it's either you you (laughs) buy it or you don't and i think because that runs so counter to how many how so many other people are making money in this business i think that's what got what has investors spooked but i mean at the same time if the game is good enough it should speak for itself in terms of people wanting to play it so Mm -hmm. You know, but then again, you've got that weird, and we actually have a question about this later we're going to talk about. Um, there's this weird kind of dichotomy uh, or difference between how people value traditional games or and how people kind of value mobile games. Mm-hmm. It's very weird. Yeah, and we'll get into that later. But as far as, I mean, it seems to be a success out of the gate. We'll see if it holds true, if whether it yeah. word of mouth comes out. Because the other thing here is it came out in a ton more countries than Pokemon Go did initially. So right. there's there's a big difference. It's hard to say which one is more successful. But I mean, based, based just on those numbers and exactly how it all worked out, I think Pokemon Go was the more successful app right out of the gate. We'll see, though. Sure. We'll see, but yeah, we'll see. Although, I mean, I'll, I'll say this: it is it's weird how not bizarre it, it feels now that it's happening. But when you consider the fact that we've got Nintendo and Mario on mobile, on iPhone and Android, it's so well not Android yet, but soon. <laughs> it's just weird. Like it's weird seeing a full blown Nintendo game on iPhone, 
but at the same time that it's weird, it doesn't feel as weird as I would think that it would. You know what I mean? A bit, yeah. And Yeah, it's it's kind of strange. You're kind of getting used to the idea at this point thanks to Mitomo and Pokemon Go, so it's just like, okay, well this is a this is a thing now apparently. <laughs> so, we'll yeah. see. And you know, we still have Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing on the way, so yeah. Who knows what those will be like? I'm sure we'll hear more about them come January or sometime since they're supposed they're both supposed to be out before March. So Right. Well, and then uh, we did a news update recently, uh, an update video about how there were potentially uh, preliminary files for Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing found within Mario Run. Uh, within Mitomo, actually. Oh, sorry, Mitomo, not Mario Run. Yeah, yeah. Uh, data mining Mitomo, the new Mitomo update. So that's, yeah, obviously they're coming along. I mean, we're getting a little evidence of them. So I, I feel like we must hear more about them early next year at the latest. Yeah, I, I'm just, I'd expect that. So Yeah. Uh, and those those should do pretty well themselves. I mean, if they can get Animal Crossing just right, that'll be a gold mine. Yeah, I, I think I think Animal Crossing, if they can nail that, they've got that in the they've got in terms of their audience, it's massive on iPhone. Fire Emblem, I think, is going to be a, a slightly tougher sell. I think that's going to probably aim toward, more toward the enthusiast iPhone gamer, which is kind of a, a tricky market. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll we'll see how that goes, but I feel like Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing, even on iPhone, are going to be targeting very different kinds of iPhone users. Yeah. Or I, I should say smartphone users, not iPhone. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Um, but so far, Nintendo has seen a decent success on the iPhone or the yeah. mobile. So yeah. But uh, finally, we have the uh, Super Nintendo Super Nintendo World concept art has been revealed for Universal Studios Japan, and it's planned to open there in 2020, just in time for their, uh, I believe it's Summer Olympics. So yeah, uh, Andre already had his big analysis and discussion about this with Josh <laughs> and, and Roger. We were I, well, I was asleep when this was all going on. Uh, yeah, and they're the big theme park guys, but. Uh, as a casual, what, what did you what did you think of this uh, artwork and plans they have? Um, I, I think it's a little too early for me to get all that excited. I mean, again, they are the theme park guys. Like Andre has a love for theme parks that I will never, like I, I couldn't even com- compare. Like I've never loved a single theme park as much as he loves like everything Disney on it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I guess for me, like once it's once it's gonna happen and once the park opens, I'll be super excited to go check it out. But a theme park isn't the kind of thing I'd normally look forward to with bated breath, I guess, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to it kind of in the back of my mind, but it's not something that I'm like like daydreaming about and brainstorming <laughs> ideas about and freaking out because I'm like, okay, well, it'll be here in four years. So until then, you know, cool, I'll look forward to it. But yeah, I've never been much of a theme park guy, so maybe I'm kind of a killjoy here, but <laughs> like I, I actively avoid going to places like Disneyland or Six Flags or whatever just because i they're busy they're hot they're lines they're the food's mm-hmm. overpriced i don't know maybe i'm a killjoy i just don't really like theme parks all that much i enjoy theme parks but uh i i haven't gotten a chance to go to them that often like the last time i went yeah. to a theme park was our disneyland trip back when breath of the wild was first announced so oh, right so yeah i haven't i mean i have a local theme park a theme park that's relatively close to me uh in pennsylvania i haven't been to that in years and it's just one of those things like I, I I'd love to go back to Disney World but again it's so expensive and I enjoy yeah. I enjoy my time there and I am excited like the idea of walking into this park and having a hopefully Disney level or even Harry Potter level experience of walking into this section and seeing yeah. Mario 
uh, all set up like this and other Nintendo, hopefully other Nintendo properties and whatever else they have planned for it could be really cool. And then the rides that are rumored to be there look sound awesome. Like they do, the, they really do. The, like the the Donkey Kong minecart one sounds amazing. It, it does. I, I have to say, like again, like I think when it actually happens and I can go visit it, I'm, I'll be there day one. I can't. I'll be like super excited then. Mm-hmm. But for now, I just don't think theme parks are the kind of things that I get hyped for. Yeah, it's, necessarily. So when it happens, I'll be there. Yeah. But until then, it's like okay. Well, I can wait though. Exactly. It's one of those things like, oh, um, okay, I'll just wait till it's actually open and I can enjoy it. I can't. The, the speculation all over the years is not something that, I don't know, <laughs> it's not something yeah. I can keep up with. And we'll, we have Andre for that anyway, so. <laughs> but I, what I think, I mean, Andre is so excited. What I think he should do, I think he should fly us both to Japan, all, all of us for Japan, for, you know, big company trip come uh, opening day. <laughs> I think I think we got to make that happen. I know, I, 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 I could <laughs> guarantee you that andre himself will be there oh i'm sure he will whether yeah, or not be we, like well, well yeah yeah whether or not we can convince him to take us along that's the tricky part <laughs> no I, I will probably have to pay our own way but it might be worth it it might be worth it. yeah it might be yeah. uh but just imagine the traffic like it's already like opening day theme oh, yeah. park for uh in japan for a mario like a nintendo world on the same year that the olympics are happening Oh, yeah, it's going to be like insane. You, you hate the crowds now. <laughs> uh, yeah, although speaking of the Olympics, this is completely unrelated to this specific story. But I did uh, hear that Hatsune Miku is going to be in the opening show, opening ceremony for the Olympics <laughs> in Tokyo. I'm, that's so cool. Like, yeah. of course she is because it's the Tokyo Olympics. But that's awesome. The Tokyo Olympics show is probably going to be pretty entertaining. Just the, the, I can't wait because they introduced it this year with Mario. So, yeah, yeah. So we got Miku and who knows, probably Hello Kitty and you know all sorts of cool Japanese characters and stuff. I cannot wait for that mm-hmm. opening ceremony. I can see Universal and Nintendo advertising the hell out of Nintendo World during. The oh, Olympics. me too. So, me too. Yeah, it'll. And and I think they said a, a versions of it are supposed to of Super Nintendo World. They're supposed to come both to Orlando and Los Angeles, right? Yes, they are. They yeah. are coming, but we just don't know. We don't have a time frame on like don't know when. Japan. So yeah. Okay, cool. I, I can't imagine too long after that. It's probably something they want to get out immediately. But oh, Japan, sure. Japan is probably the big one just because of the Olympics. Well, you know, if you ask the internet, though, Nintendo is going to be doomed in the next five years. So I don't know. <laughs> is there going to be a Nintendo left in five years for them to have a theme park around? I mean, come on. Uh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. Obviously kidding. But yeah. Yeah. No, I get you. It's, it's just... I think they're going. They're going to be fine with the switch. If they nail the switch, they'll be fine. Plus, they have yeah, be fine. reserves, and they they've survived the Wii U and are still kind of turning a profit with yeah, other things. So, I'm pretty sure like Super Mario Nintendo's. Run, yeah, probably, and all the Amiibo <laughs> back when they were first came out, and exactly yeah, all that. So, yep. But uh, well, let's go ahead and get to our uh, Patreon topics. Uh, as always, each week for just one dollar a month. Uh, you can support us on Patreon, and that gets you uh, the this podcast three days early every Friday, as well as be the opportunity to offer up topics for us to talk about. And right off the bat, uh, once again, uh, since Andre is not here, we could not do the top five um, activity log for uh, Wii U. However, because he wasn't here and because it's so been so long, I had the idea of like, okay, what about Ash and I doing – uh, 10 through 6 as part of the activity log. That way we sort of lead up and have <laughs> something in that regards to, in that vein for you guys. However, we 
we discovered something tonight that neither of us <laughs> realized, and apparently a lot of people don't realize. Um, the the thing that's on the Wii U is the daily log, not the activity log, and all it shows is how much you've played a game in total, like uh, for for a particular day or a particular month by or month. Yeah. yeah, exactly. There's no overall rankings at all. Like they're on 3DS. Yeah. And I think we just assumed that the two activity logs were the same, but actually the 3DS is the activity log. The Wii U is the daily log. And so we didn't quite realize that. So we're going in and we're realizing, well, there we don't have any figures to pull from because it's all month by month. So I think we're maybe going to, like, I don't know, go and tally them together oh, and prepare for this next time, or maybe. I mean, it, yeah. I, I mean, it's a lot of work because I have a lot of games. Ash a has a lot of games. We have to do all the math to yeah. put it all together. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. We'll look into it. Maybe as you know, something. A, 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 a maybe a better way to do it would just be to go and count the number of times each game appears in the top five for like a year. And then use that. Like, say Smash Brothers appears in the top five 11 out of 12 months of my year, which it would, obviously. <laughs> then that would probably, you know, that would be 11 times for Smash Brothers versus, like, I don't know, eight times maybe, for but Super I, Mario 3D World. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I, I feel like knowing the exact hours is what makes the I activity know. log so fun. So You're totally right, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Like I said, we'll look into this, but, yeah. Like, we were planning on something, but... The Wii U is dumb compared to the 3DS, apparently. <laughs> so yeah, and we looked it up online. Like, is, am I missing something? And apparently, this is a thing not many people realize because there's like whole threads about like why isn't it like the 3DS? Yeah. So yeah, but anyway, going on to the, our actual topics. Um, Ash, do you want to start or should I? Um, I can start off. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, my first topic comes from Benjamin West. Uh, who says, uh, I work in an office, and to pass time at work, I listen to various music and podcasts, such as your own, thank you for that, uh, to mm-hmm. pass the time. So I was wondering, do you all listen to anything while you work? Maybe music, podcasts, or maybe have a Let's Play going on in the background, uh, like he did with uh, your Paper Mario LP, Derek. So nice. I know you've talked to me a lot about some of the stuff you've listened to while you work, so I figured this would be a great thing to talk about. Um, so for me, I mostly listen to music, and I'm not going to lie, it's mostly video game music. It's most, it's a lot of it's chiptune. Um, so I honestly, I'll have my iTunes on, and I have like just scads of video game music in my iTunes. But when I don't, when I want to, in the mood for something, it's not in my iTunes. I'll basically just default to YouTube, and I'll find whatever. I'll find video <laughs> game soundtracks. I'm listening to a lot of Pokemon Sun and Moon and a lot of Final Fantasy 15 right now as I work. Um, I do have a particular channel or two channels that I really like and they're both run by a guy I like called DJ Cutman and he's like he's a DJ who remixes video game music and, and things like that and he's, he does chip music. So um, it's called This Week in Chiptune. Uh, that's the name of the channel and there's another channel called Game Chops. And that's his label. And so I'll spend a lot of time listening to episodes of This Week in Chiptune. It's, it's essentially a chip music podcast uh, highlighting different artists every week. So I listen to This Week in Chiptune. I think they're up to like episode 160, so there's plenty for you to go back and listen to if that's your jam. And then Game Chops is this guy, is DJ Cutman's label, and he just hosts a bunch of really cool remixes of various, you know, game songs like from Cave Story or Undertale or Pokemon, what, what have you. And so I do spend a lot of time on both those channels because you know me, I can never get enough of video <laughs> game music. So that's basically most of what I, generally what I listen to while I'm working. Okay. Um, here's the weird thing for me. I, 
I don't really listen to stuff while I'm working on game explained stuff. Like when I'm editing a discussion, I have to listen to our voices and what we're saying and whatnot. Yeah. And it's very distracting to me to have something on in the background. Same with, <laughs> same with if I'm writing something. Like yeah. I can't have noise in the background uh, if I'm like actively using my brain. When I was working uh, – at my old job, though, that's when I would put on uh, LPs or like I didn't uh-huh. didn't I didn't have X. I listened to music on my iPod or something like that. But then I got into the LP culture, and I would just put in uh, put on LPs that I could listen to in the background, not act- actively watch, just listen to the commentary as I did my mindless job. And then once yeah. I got caught up, I would actually watch it. So. Yeah, that that you know those those help me get through that the office work that I used used to do. Um, so yeah, it, it, I can only really use those things with its mindless tasks, and that's why um, yeah, it's 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 very weird. I cannot like have something going in the background while I'm editing a discussion or anything like that. It's 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 very strange, but uh, I do often have uh, vlogs pod. Uh, not so much podcasts, but um, LPs, and then I'm, you know, the people I subscribe to, going on while I'm like folding laundry, washing the dishes, uh, cleaning up, or just doing various things like actual housework. That's when I break out the LPs and stuff like that to. That's fair. Listen and enjoy that stuff. It's I don't know. I don't know if I'm weird or not for the fact that I can't listen. Like I hear so many people saying like I'm editing this up while listening to this music. Like. How <laughs> I can't? No, you know that's that's actually not weird because I, I say I listen to all that stuff while I'm working, and I do. But it does depend on the kind of work. Like when you started talking about that, it made me realize. Well, when I'm specific kinds of work, I won't listen to anything. Like when I'm editing an art book, mm-hmm. if I need to, if I need to edit sentences or if I need to read things back to myself, music just music gets in the way of my own internal voice, and I can't deal with it. Mm-hmm. So if I'm doing something that actively requires me to read or write something or change, improve copy or whatever then i will turn music off but if it's something like layout editing or you know something like i'm doing this evangelion tv uh sketchbook right now and part of my work on it is literally just putting numbers next to each little bit of japanese text for our translator to go through and he'll know what number pertains to what text and then translate for us that is some that's brainless i don't need to think about it then i'll put on music you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i don't have to you know there's no actual you know structural work going on in my end so then if it's brainless, I'll put music on. But yeah, if it's something where I have to really think about it and I need my internal voice to kind of guide me, then I'll keep music off because I can't hear it <laughs> over the music, like you said. Yeah, I have this weird thing where, like, if like a song, lyrical, like a song's going on, or like even if I'm talking to somebody and I'm typing up stuff, all of a sudden my conversation will end up in what I'm writing. Like I'll act, yeah, like the words will. Co- I've done that like before. Pop yeah. up, yeah. It's like. <laughs> Like it enters your brain and you just happen to do it and you like can't help it and you read over it's like what the hell? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, I I don't really have anything atypical or anything like that. I like I the, most of the guests that I've had that we've had on, I, I like to listen to their like have their subscriptions and as long as as well as like uh, Peanut Butter Gamer and uh, I like um, the various reviewers from Channel Awesome. Uh, that I like to have on the background and their and their vlogs, I find them interesting to listen to. Like I like opinions, so just listening to people's opinions on things is what gets me through. I don't honestly I don't listen to music that often. You don't? Okay. I mean, I guess I don't. Uh, it's hard. I mean, my my wife is so into electronic music that I can't help but get into it just by proxy. So I know mm. some some about that. So I feel like I do spend a lot a lot of time listening to music, but. 
I guess just because of the fact that she's so into what she's into, and I guess I, for, yeah, I mean, I'm so into video game music that I guess I do make, I specifically cut time out of my life <laughs> to appreciate and listen to video game music. So, yeah. Yeah. But I guess it really is just kind of down to each person's individual routine and quirks and yeah. things like that. Because that's cool. I, like, I, I, I listen, I talk to other people and like, they were like, oh, this, this piece of music from this, or I love this bit. And I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think of it and I'll hear it, then I'll recognize it, but I can't just pull it out like out of nowhere yeah. for me, which is, I always feel like bad about it. It's like, man, <laughs> am I not paying att- enough attention? Am I... Am I am I am I am I a terrible person for not appreciating this? That kind of thing. You are a terrible person, Derek. How <laughs> yes. dare you? Yep. I know. Um actually that that uh, something I have been getting into recently while I work when I'm doing again brainless work that I don't need to pay attention to as much. Um I've been really getting into these YouTubers. They'll they'll take video game songs and they'll remaster them or they'll they'll rearrange them in a different game sound font. So for example, um, I just listened yesterday or a few days ago, and I tweeted out a link to the boss theme from Shantae and the Pirate's Curse, but done, I think it was in the Mega Man X sound font. So it sounds like it's a Mega Man X song, but it's obviously from Shantae. Oh, that's awesome. And so I've been really getting into these mixing and matching like sound fonts with songs from different games, and it sounds really cool. And like just yesterday, actually, I was listening to... A, uh, I was listening to a cover of Studiopolis Zone from Sonic Mania as if it was done on the Sega Genesis. Oh, and nice. it was awesome. And I, like, I can pass the time listening to stuff like that so easily. Like, I don't even have to think about it. That stuff fascinates me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really cool. I, I, I can appreciate it. It's just my memory is not good enough. <laughs> no, I, I totally hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, my topic, uh, first got the topic anyway, comes from Robbie Vandenhole who says, how do you guys feel about video game pricing in general? I'm constantly surprised how upset people get over spending even as little as 99 cents on an app uh, (laughs) when they don't raise an eyebrow spending $60 on another game. Uh, Sure, there's a big difference in console and mobile gaming, but I think 99 cents is ridiculous to complain about. I probably have that that much five times over in quarters laying around in in my house. Uh, would love to hear your thoughts on that, and happy holidays. Happy to be a patron. So thank you very much for that. Uh, and I very good timing for this question, I'd say. Um, especially in relation to, of course, Super Mario Run, because I think this is where it is coming through. Because a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people say, oh, it's, you know, I can't play the game for free. You know, I can only play the first three levels for free. What the, what the heck? Um, yeah. It's, and I think what it is is that, the App Store, for better or worse, has cultivated this idea of free or very cheap games, and yeah. And the thing is, I've gone through the same thing. I'll look at look at a ninety nine cent game back before I, you know, just realized mobile gaming wasn't for me, and think, and eh, do I really want to spend that? I don't know because for whatever reason, there's this idea of just inherently less value on the mobile market, which may be true in some cases, depending on the app. Uh, and then there's the whole idea of the cultivation of the free-to-play and uh, microtransactions and all that stuff. So I can see, I can t- kind of see where people are coming from, where Mario strikes them as weird that you have to pay $10. And I know people have bark- balked at the idea of paying $12, $15 for some of Square Enix's games that they put on the mobile store. Uh, because it's just so outside the usual pricing range for that. But you're also usually getting a better quality product. I say usually. The Square Enix has <laughs> had the best track record when it comes to mobile games. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is this weird thing. And I think it is I, – I, I put the blame, at least as far as the uh, App Store, squarely on the feet of Apple and how they cultivated that. 
Like they put this idea of how these games are cheap. You don't have to pay much. May not even have to pay anything at all. And if you're really good, you don't have to spend a dime and get this entertainment. Um, and I right. and I think because there's been this cultivation of this is what sixty dollars is worth, or back in the day this uh-huh. is what fifty dollars is worth. Fifty dollars is worth is why people are more much more willing to put it on there because uh, the game industry has put out this idea that. This $50, $60 game is inherently more valuable, which is why you also right. see with indie games like, oh, man, $15 for this game. I can't spend that much. Yeah. So. No, it, 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 it's a tricky situation, and I, I don't know if I feel comfortable laying all the blame at Apple's feet, though, just because we do also have the Google Play Store and true, on every but, Android phone. True, but the App Store came first, which is why I'm It did. That's them. true. It did. Um. You know, it, it, it's a tricky beast because I will admit that I myself have been guilty of such a thing. Like, I, I actually just recently went through all of the Final Fantasy offerings in the App Store just to see. I was curious how much everything cost. And Final Fantasy VI, I think, right now is like twenty two ninety nine. If it's not six, it's like seven or nine or mm-hmm. something. 21 or twenty two ninety nine, And I balk at that. And maybe I shouldn't because FF6 is one of the greatest games of all time. But, but, I, but I it's feel the crappy like mobile rather... version that, that, that screwed up the graphics, and you could get a better version of Final Fantasy VI on the Wii U Virtual Console. Well, you know, it's funny, actually. I don't know if you can. Uh, maybe six is a bad, a bad maybe example Wii. because I actually have six for mobile, and I'm one of the few people I know that likes it. Oh, okay. I think the graphics looks a lot, they look a lot better in motion than they do in screenshots, so I actually will defend the iOS port. Okay. But, uh, but I think I got it on sale. I think it was like six or seven bucks, which is why I got it on sale. <laughs> I don't know if I would have paid 22 which is weird, though, because I'll go on the PlayStation Store, and I have no problem spending 20 bucks on a game like Bound or Res Infinite, which is 30 bucks, and that's a digital digital download. And there is something, it's like a je ne sais quoi thing about App Store pricing where a $20 iPhone game doesn't feel like you're getting the same value as a $20 PlayStation Network game. It just, it, but it, I know that doesn't make sense, but it feels like that. And I, don't, I can't say that, that App Store developers should lower their prices because you know the value of a game isn't objective you know the value of a game is so subjective from person to person Mm -hmm. you know one person might get so much value out of a game that it would have been worth them paying sixty dollars for it on the app store whereas someone else might try it once and never play it again and it isn't even worth the 2.99 asking price uh that you would other normalize normally get so it's, it's a tricky beast, um, but I do think that people have a much lower threshold for price valuation on the App Store than they do for packaged games. And um, part of the problem, too, though, is, and, we, and we've talked about this before on our podcast, actually, is this generation of entitlement. It's, it's not only entitlement in this case, because there is definitely a huge difference between App Store pricing and other game pricing, but... You know, we are living in the midst of a time where a lot of younger people think that they should get everything for free when they want and however they packaged however they want. And I think that's also partially what you're seeing in this kind of blowback on App Store pricing, too. Yeah, I, I can see that in some degrees. And I've actually seen the opposite in some cases, too. Yeah. Where I've talked to people where I made, I, like, I was like, I don't feel like I should spend a dime on Pokemon Go. But other people I've talked to are like, you know what? I got so many hours of fun. It is worth it. Like even if I don't really need it, I will spend the money so they get a little bit of a kickback because yes, they did entertain me. Yeah, so. that's, and and that's kind of that's generally the side of things I tend to fall on. It's like mm-hmm. I, I I think saying things like I shouldn't have to pay for this or I shouldn't have to do this. That's 
a slippery slope because no one is saying that you have to. Your wallet is your wallet. You don't have to buy those uh, Pokecoins or Pokeballs or whatever. You don't have to spend a dime on Pokemon Go. But then if you want to, don't misrepresent it as having to spend the money. Yeah. You don't have to. You want to, and you're, ha- you're being forced to pay what Neotic thinks the game is worth. And that's their decision, but you're not having to pay for it. So I think that kind of vernacular is can be a little dangerous because no one's forcing you to pay for anything, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. yeah, you may you may you may have to pay more than what you personally would want to, but that's not really up to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what it comes down to, and a lot yeah. of time, it, like what, pricing to me comes down to time. Like, like for major games, it's it's one of those things, but it's just like built into me. Like, okay, that's fine, but for like a downloadable title uh, that's you know twenty thirty bucks or even fifteen dollars, it's like okay, I'm putting in this much money. Am I going to get the right amount of time out of it? Because of my limited time, you know, I only have so much time right. time to put on it because it takes up space, and you know, I might not actually get to play it so often. And sometimes it just it, it happens, you know, you don't quite get to it right away. Um, yeah, it, it's it's so weird. And I it, there's also that whole thing where uh, if we're naturally programmed to think that if something's more expensive, it's worth more and has, <laughs> right. it has greater value. Um, and that's why there's some people that like argue like maybe we should lower the price, but then the value seems lessened uh, because of that. And I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm curious how how uh, Sonic All Stars Racing Transform did because I was excited for that game. I had a ton of fun with that game. I still think it's better than Mario Kart Eight, um, and definitely Seven. Oh yeah. Um, but. I was shocked when I went to pick it up on the day it was released, and it was only, I believe, $40. And I'm like, yeah. holy hell, I just got a great value out of this. I'm shocked that it was this low. And then I got home, and, but I also had this in my head. is like, oh, what am I getting myself into? Uh, sure. But then I get home and play, and I was like, this is fantastic. Why is this so cheap? Because it is good, you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's that weird mental thing that comes in that they've, you know, stores have programmed this into us, you know? Yeah, well, you know, and on a related note, though, I think this does speak to another point about the the value of digital download games or digital versions of retail games. Yes. Because I, I really think that that developers need to be more or publishers need to be more aggressive in pricing their digital downloads better. There is no excuse for for paying fifty nine ninety nine for a physical version of say Final Fantasy fifteen. But also having to pay fifty nine and ninety nine for a digital version, which is objectively you're getting less. Mm-hmm. You aren't getting a disc. You're not getting a box, and that's fine. But it should be like ten bucks less. You you're not paying those production costs. Yeah, it's it's pure profit on their part. Part. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's just one of those weird things like pricing and like it's so tricky to get that that just get it right and make sure it's all right. But then. The thing is, they can get away with it because people are willing to pay that because it's just more convenient for them to yeah, have I mean, it digitally. Yeah, I mean, yes. As long as people keep paying for it, they'll keep you know releasing it at that price. And that's, hey, that's the way the market works, and that's fine. Um, and, but I do wonder if that has something to do with maybe the way people view mobile pricing just because you are literally tapping your screen a few times and getting a game, but you're not getting a physical manifestation of that game. So mm-hmm. I just wonder if that... Maybe because mobile phone users or smartphone users aren't, they don't have that gaming mentality. They're not thinking about how much a game should cost. They're just thinking about this. This is my phone. I want to have a cool little app to play once in a while. 
you know, they're not thinking about it in terms of it being a video game. They're just thinking about it in terms of something that'll be a time waster. So, mm-hmm. you know, I wonder if that difference in mentality between enthusiast gamers and smartphone users is also kind of uh, to blame for this kind of this trend and how app store pricing is viewed. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's so weird because, you know, we'll, a game will be 10 bucks or 15 bucks and people are like bulk at that idea of having that, that have to pay that. But then like I could go to McDonald's right now and easily get a $5 meal or go out to eat and get a $15 steak. And that's totally. Yeah. Oh God, I'm so glad you said that because I got in some really heated like arguments on Twitter and, and other social media back around when Smash DLC was coming out, and people were just like, "Nintendo, they're such crooks, and Sakurai is such a fraud, and I can't believe they're making me pay six dollars for Cloud and Midgar together." <laughs> oh wait a minute, you can go to, to get a Big Mac meal for that much, and you and then you're done. Yeah, you get it, you eat it, and you're done, and then you don't enjoy it anymore. Or you can spend, you can go without a Big Mac meal for one day and spend six bucks on Cloud and Midgar and enjoy those for as long as you in, play the game. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. Like I literally, like even people were complaining about one ninety nine for Dreamland uh, sixty four, and I'm like, wait, it's two dollars. Mm-hmm. You can go and you go buy a Coke for that much, <laughs> and and you wouldn't complain. Why are you complaining about this? Yeah, again, it's one of those, those perceptions of value for yeah. whatever reason. That digital thing, maybe because it isn't physical in your hand and you can't enjoy it in a physical way the same way you can a Coke or a Big Mac sure. or a steak might affect them. I It's it's impossible to say, but it's yeah. fascinating in, in the way those mindsets work because <laughs> yeah. cause the thing is my threshold for steak usually, unless I'm really treating myself, is around 15 to $17, but uh, sure. then I'll, sometimes I'll see like – $25 steak and I'm like I'll get the cheaper ones like might not be <laughs> as good but I can't yeah. I can't justify paying 25 25 bucks for a steak <laughs> no I mean I, I hear you it's like I'm the same way I, and I really do think that you you touched on something I think obviously there are way there are things we need to investigate in terms of how things are actually priced but I do think a lot of this just comes down to varying perceptions of value. You know what? It, 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 it's it's such an old dodge, but it's true. One man's trash is another man's treasure, mm-hmm. and people value things differently. I mean, I bought pretty much all the DLC for Smash, and I probably I don't even know how much I spent. No, of course I got a review copy of the actual game, so I didn't spend that sixty bucks up front. But at the same time, I've probably spent at least that much on all the DLC for the game, or maybe close to that much. But I play it as much as I can with friends. So I feel like I've gotten that value out of it. I don't feel like I've been swindled by, by Nintendo. Now, if I went to go buy Mario Tennis Ultra Smash for $60, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably feel swindled, but not by Nintendo, by myself, because I played myself. I should know better. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think it really does, but there might be someone out there that maybe the one thing they love more than anything in the world is playing Mario Tennis games with their friends or family. And so for that person... A $60 Mario Tennis Ultra Smash makes perfect sense. Yeah. It's sort of like how you always hear about people going to yard sales and people like, there's like this super rare game and they're like, <laughs> how much is it? Eh, three bucks. Sold. <laughs> you yeah. You know, just to get that instantaneous, to get those lucky finds. So again, it's just, it's that perception of value and I think that's what it comes down to uh, essentially. I mean, there's more complex ideas at play here but sure if we want to wrap this up it is all about the value (laughs) yeah yeah so all right what's your other what's your second topic ash all right well my second topic is super straightforward it's come from uh, eric sigriff or sigriff sorry if i mispronounced that who asks uh very simply what is your worst fear 
And that's such an obvious question, but I don't think it's one that we've ever covered here, right, Derek? I don't think so. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I have, I have a few fears, but I figured this would be an interesting, interesting thing to talk about. And my worst fear, really, is spiders. Um, I, am, <laughs> I am a hardcore arachnophobe. And, I mean, when I say hardcore, I mean I can't even play video games or watch movies with giant spiders in them. Like, I won't play Resident Evil for that reason. Like, I think the Resident Evil games are pretty cool. I think they're fun. I like them. But, no, if you have giant tarantula enemies in your game, they're going to be coming at me. You know, in first person in some cases, nope, not going to play it. Skyrim, the first monster I ever saw in Skyrim was a giant spider, and that's a first person <laughs> game. I'm like, you know what? Never going to play this game. And I actually am that scared of spiders. It doesn't make sense. I don't know if I had, like, maybe in a past life, I was thrown into a pit of flesh eating spiders, and that's how I died. I don't know. But I am deathly afraid of big spiders. Small ones are fine, but like big ones, I am so scared. And. It's definitely a fear that has been crippling me, like in other ways in my life, because again, I can't even enjoy media with giant spiders without getting really uncomfortable. So I don't know what it is, but there's something about spiders that I just I can't deal with them. I, yeah, I've, I've, I've kind of you talked about before how you had to hide your eyes during uh, yeah. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, right? Yeah, that one part with the giant uh, spider in the forest or whatever. Yeah, I like, and even I was with my wife, and she knows she'd already seen it, so she's like, "Hey, this is coming up. You should probably just like avert your eyes." I'm like, "Okay, thank you." <laughs> like, she knows, she knows how scared I am of spiders, and I don't get it. But you know, I, it is one of the most common fears. So I guess there's not a whole lot to get. A lot of people are just wired to be scared of spiders. But I've never been bitten by one. I've never had a spider rash or bite. Like. I don't have a, a, a an experience I can point to for the reason for my intense fear, but it's definitely there. Hmm. I I can t- I can kind of see it. I mean, I don't, I'm not like they kind of squick me out, but I'm definitely not terrified. Like I I can't. Yeah. I can get through Resident Evil and fight the giant spiders and all that. Uh-huh. They don't you know affect me in that way. Um, I don't think I have a fear as intense as yours. Uh, okay. I my worst fear is probably heights. Definitely scared okay. of heights, but I can I can ride roller coasters and stuff like that. But then, but I'm also in a secure secured <laughs> position. Yeah, uh, I look at some of these other freefall stuff at like the, like uh, carnivals and whatever, where they it's like just a chair and you're going straight down. And other one where it's just like almost like a bungee and it's a line of mm-hmm. people going down and up and flipping all around. And I'm like, oh hell no, <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yeah. The idea yeah. of like uh, bungee jumping or jumping out of a plane, <laughs> I'm like, nope, nope, nope. And I can actually, and actually, sometimes media does like movies don't affect me, but some games do get to me uh, yeah. as far as heights. Like there's a couple moments in Last Guardian where you're very okay. high and you look down, you and you just, I, I get that tightness in my chest, like, uh, like <laughs> oh boy, because there's you're climbing on some very precariously hanging things and it's swinging all about and the way the how loose the controls are i feel like it can fall at any moment and the way the animation's going the kid yeah. the kid is barely hanging on with a single hand and it's like oh god <laughs> uh, you should play mirror's edge oh i played original mirror's edge that one didn't affect, oh, you did that one didn't affect me as much for whatever okay. reason uh, i think I, i'm not sure if first person doesn't affect me as much or it's just the idea of like seeing this person fall or seeing my avatar sure. fall. i'm not sure uh because I, I i vividly remember when i first played klonoa 2 on the playstation 2 uh it was the first time i ever experienced this because there's this one level where you're uh riding down this river and you go over a waterfall and it's such a long drop i could actually feel my stomach going up into my heart 
like uh-huh. just from the like almost like you were on a roller coaster or anything like that from the experience of watching my kid of Klonoa going down this waterfall. Oh, so. and I remember that part of the game too. And it, that was the first time you'd ever kind of experience, experience something like that. Yeah. I huh. never had that. I don't, I think it's because the graphics had improved so much. I, you know, there was no, uh-huh. there's no super high moments like that in Mario or anything like that. Or that really affect you or right. anything like in the PlayStation area that I can think of. No, it was definitely Klonoa that gave me that feeling first and others have come, across in that type of way but I'm also not crippled by it like I can't right. like I'm not sitting there like I can't go I can't go I can't do this I can't jump it's just yeah oh, deep breath let's do this <laughs> yeah and I mean like I, I've made it through some games like I know one of the one of the issues I had with Twilight Princess back in the day was that the uh, the Skulltulas in, in Twilight Princess looks so much more realistic than anything in Wind Waker or Skyward Sword or even Ocarina of Time I'd say so mm-hmm. Like, I had a real problem with those Skulltulas, even though they're super easy to beat, because they look so creepy. They look mm-hmm. like these big, fat tarantula spiders, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, I really didn't like that about Twilight Princess, but I still played the game. Like, it's not like I, you know, if the game has spider enemies, I can't play it. Like, I'll I'll deal in a lot of instances, but there are some, like Resident Evil, where I just won't even bother. Like, it's just, don't even... But other monsters, like things like, uh, I don't know, Silent Hill, I mean, there are some really grotesque enemies in that. But they're not spiders, so I can deal with it. Mm. It's the weird. It's just spiders. It's, but uh, <laughs> the only other thing I would say that is kind of a like a recurring fear in my life, although it's much less of a problem than spiders, is I can get pretty claustrophobic. Uh, but not oh, in yes. the and uh, well. And I re- I was reminded of this when you were talking about the roller coasters because um, I actually don't like roller coasters, but not necessarily because of the heights or the speed, but because I'm locked in. And obviously, it's for your safety. But I hate being restrained. I panic very quickly mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm stuck or restrained and it's not people like I can be in crowds of people no problem but if I'm held back or if I'm restrained in some way I panic I have two memories of that same feeling uh, yeah well one's a kind of a recurring memory uh, the other is uh, a very specific one so I was getting older and um, my sisters were having a uh, one of them maybe a friend of mine or a younger cousin or something like that somebody was having a party at uh, um, Chuck E. Cheese's oh, and no. you have all those play areas and I'm older so I'm sort of taking care of, care of them watching them and I'm following them through the pipes and I'm like I haven't quite gotten too big for them i'm sort of like in that in between (laughs) stage so i'm going through those play pipes and i'm feeling the tightness and i'm like oh god i need to get the hell out of here i need out i need out i need out i need out i need to move my arms i need to stretch i can't do this yeah uh and i was just panicking all the way out uh like nope not going in there again uh the other time is very weird for me where i don't know i'm curious if you experienced this too so have you ever had your coat on while you're driving. I, maybe not because you're so it's that, but I have a. Heavy, <laughs> so say you lost me at coat. Yeah, exactly. I, sure. I'll have a heavy coat on while I'm driving, and I'll get hot from the heater and whatnot, and I want to take it off. But because of the restrictive, like I can't move too well in the car, and uh-huh. I'm still trying to concentrate on driving. I have like I want to get my coat off, but I can't get it off in a way that's that's easily, and I'm like I feel trapped, and I'll get that sort of mini claustrophobic fe- feeling. Oh, sure. I, I mean, I could imagine that being the case. I, I would never wear a coat, period. <laughs> and certainly, I would certainly never wear a coat in the car with the heater on. So I can't say I've ever had that experience. But, uh, you know, if I ever do wear a coat, I will be sure to <laughs> report back to you and let you know how it goes. We need to get you into co- some colder weather. <laughs> 
I guess. I mean, I yeah, I have a hoodie that I sometimes wear, but even that gets to like it was raining here last night, and I just went out to take a walk because it's raining, and I love that. I had to take my hoodie off because it was too hot in the rain. I'm like, no, I want to feel the cold in the rain. <laughs> so I actually just took my my hoodie off. I'm like, nah, who needs this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, but yeah, it, it's it's funny how just some things can get to you. Yeah, no, it really is. And and again, there's no, there doesn't have to be a reason for it. It can just be you're wired that way. And like my dad, when I was a kid, a butterfly would land on me and, and I would freak out. He'd be like, it's just a butterfly. It can't bite you. And I'm like, I know it can't bite me. That's not my problem. I can't explain to you why I'm, why I'm afraid of this thing, but I am afraid. So please just understand that. I don't, I know it doesn't make sense. I know it can't hurt me. I know it can't poison me, but get it off. And this of course, I was like eight or nine. But, you know, yeah, for some reason, just, you know, you're scared by things that don't make sense. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Well, uh, my topic actually is a sort of combination between two because they're actually oddly connected in a way. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just go read through them both first. Uh, first up is a link between times who says, Hey, Game Explain. Recently, I've been feeling pretty down on myself because I have ADHD and high functioning autism, and I can't shake the feeling that I'm just worse than everyone else sometimes. I know it's totally untrue, but I'm pretty harsh on myself when I do something socially wrong. Do you or anyone close to you have any disabilities or limitations that you or they have, have had, uh, I've had to learn to cope with. Excuse me. Uh, it doesn't have to be diagnosed. You might just be generally diagnosed. You might just be generally disorganized. For example, thanks so much. Uh, thanks so much. Your podcast and YouTube channel are excellent uh, ways to calm me down after a bad day. Happy holidays. So thank you so much. And trust me, uh, you're not worse than everyone else. Uh, you're good. And I saw a comment. Uh, another of our patrons responding to him as well, saying that you know. He's awesome. There's no reason to put yourself down like that. So, yeah. Right. Um, next up is uh, kind of related to that is from Brian who says, Hi, guys. I'm a disabled person that has used and still uses video games as a type of therapy to th- improve my hand-eye coordination and even improve strength in my weak side with games like We Fit You. I have cerebral... Excuse me. I have cerebral palsy, which makes all of my muscles much weaker than they otherwise would be. And using games to help me like this is a very nice use of them, I think. Have you have any of you had an experience where playing a game has made has had health benefits to you? I always tell people there's more to them than mindless fun. So let's start with Brian's first because he's sort of the simpler one to answer. Uh, So Ash, you actually was talking about before this uh, how you have immediately a thought in mind. Yeah, well, it's funny because I I originally picked Brian's topic, and you had already picked A Link Between Times' topic, and mm-hmm. then we kind of realized, wait, these are kind of related, so let's just combine them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Brian, the, the reason your topic resonated with me is because I have lived the, the, the idea of playing a game that makes a difference, a health difference in your life. And for me, that's Dance Dance Revolution. I started playing DDR when I was probably 15 and though i don't play as much now i'm I'm a little more out of shape (laughs) i play ddr almost non-stop i would say for a good eight years and not just at home like i started at home but then i got i I met some friends and we'd go to the arcade like almost every night and play hours and hours ddr and of course i was lucky to have parents who were not only able but willing to fund that because i was still too young to really be making a lot of my own money but they were like, hey, this our 17-year-old son, he could be out drinking or getting into drugs. No, he's out exercising and <laughs> playing DDR <laughs> at the arcade. So we're totally going to support this. So, no, I, I absolutely am a bit in a, in a – I am a firm believer in uh, games that can improve your health. I believe they absolutely can. 
I lost so much weight playing DDR. I have never been in better shape in my life than I was when I was playing DDR at a competitive level. And I would play for hours and just sweat dripping off of me, <laughs> all over me. And I was the fittest I have ever been. And I'm still decently okay. I mean, I'm de- fit enough now, but I'm definitely out of shape more than I was playing DDR. And I miss it. I wish I had, you know, obviously things are a bit different as an adult. You have to worry about your money and your time and things like that. But uh, absolutely, I have lived the idea of, of a game improving your health. And I think games for health is, is something that should continue. I love that fitness games exist. I, I don't know. I couldn't speak to something like Wii Fit. I never played it. Or at least I never, I never played it to lose weight. But I think this is something that should continue. And if Konami has to be Konami, which is unfortunate... At least they are keeping the B-Money line, line alive. Like DDR, a new DDR just came out, um, so that's a lot of fun for people like me. And I actually just got uh, a PlayStation Experience, uh, and this is another reason your question resonated with me. They had a booth specifically geared toward disabled gamers and, and introducing to non-disabled people what it's like for people with different disabilities to play games. So uh, it was pretty cool. They had this headset where you uh, it simulates different visual uh, prop like different eye problems you can have, like glaucoma or partial blindness, like other various things that can be wrong with your eyes. And I saw very quickly just how difficult it can be for people for disabled people to play games that don't include uh, you know features geared toward you, like. Uh, the the game that we were playing as an example was Uncharted 4, and Uncharted 4 has tons of ex- accessibility options that I didn't even know about because fortunately I'm not disabled in that sense. But when I put on those goggles and I couldn't see anything about like where Drake was or what I was doing, and I kept dying over and over again, it very quickly opened my eyes to how important this is and how games need to be accessible to all kinds of people. And not that I ever thought they didn't, I just didn't think about it. And I'm like, wow, I'm lucky enough to have my eyesight. But then, uh, so when I play these games and I can't see anything, but then they have you play them with the accessibility features turned on. And suddenly, even with my limited eyesight, I can enjoy the game. And it's actually really cool the way those things work. So this just, I thought was really interesting because I just kind of had experiences with this and of course the whole DDR thing. But I, I absolutely believe that developers should actively be always be searching for new ways to make their games as inclusive as possible or, or, or as accessible as possible mm-hmm. i should say that's really cool that they had a, a feature like that to sort of educate and uh, yeah really i thought introduce. so too yeah that's really cool I, as far as from for me as health benefit for me i didn't get into ddr uh that didn't really affect me i had we fit but i didn't stick with it although i did hear people were able to use that for health reasons and lose a little weight weight or at least aid them in losing weight uh, in in that way. But I have noticed over the years, like, I, I think, especially early on, like, uh, I was a voracious reader. I loved to read. So when I discovered RPGs, it gave me an outlet to just continue to read and improve language skills and whatnot, even though, like, games aren't exactly the most you know, in-depth writing at all back in the day. But I was, I'm thinking PlayStation era, PlayStation 2 era RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um but also hand-eye coordination. I, f- I found I was just slightly better than most people as far as like what I was able to do with my hands. And I'm not sure if I'm, it's still to the same level or whatnot. But I think for me it's a bit more of a minor case of noticing benefits and things that I en- uh, can enjoy or recognize. Um, not as much – not as overt as Ash's cases. But I totally recognize <clears> – <throat> 
exactly what they can do and how they really can benefit people and having those options and like having different controllers for people with uh, hand issues as well seeing them yeah. be accessible so it, it's good to see that they're they some companies are trying to be inclusive to allow this to allow disabled gamers to still play yeah and and I don't think I mean obviously you know everyone talks about hand eye coordination but I don't think the improvement in hand eye coordination that video games offer can be dismissed out of hand I mean of course this is only anecdotal and I can only speak for myself but I one of the things I think I'm really good at, and I don't really toot my own horn very often, but I think I'm an incredibly good driver. And I attribute at least part of that. Uh, part of that is due to the fact that I've been driving since I was 15. <laughs> but I think part of that also is due to the fact that I've been playing video games for so long. And both my hand-eye and my foot-eye coordination, because of DDR, are really good. And I and I kind of, like, I people tell me that either my memory or my reaction time are better than normal like they, they're like wow your reaction so fast or you memorize that sequence of numbers like it was nothing and i credit video games with that like honestly i think playing video games it does seem to provide some sort of passive benefit because even though you're enjoying yourself you're having a good time you are working passively working on your reflexes your your spatial skills your reasoning skills and i do think that within reason video games can actually improve your motor skills and and other you know, qualities as a person outside of games. So mm-hmm. obviously there's a limit to it, you know, everything within reason. You shouldn't be just playing video games all day. But <laughs> I have to say, I, I, I do credit some of my, uh, you know, reaction time and things like that with all the time I've spent playing video games. Yeah, I, I believe it. I totally believe it. it there's been some studies and there's it's been proven that it does yeah. help to a degree. Um, yeah. But moving on to a link between times question, uh, do we, do you or anyone close to you have any disabilities or limitations that you or they have had to learn to cope with? Uh, I actually have two examples of this. Just well, there's a couple of examples because here's the thing: uh, there's these things pop up and people have to learn from it. But the two I'm going to focus on uh, is uh, my one friend who is uh, autistic as well, um, and. You can like I don't know if it's as bad as people as others or how it compares or anything like that. He is you know the one I have to go by, and you can see it pop up where he doesn't know the proper times. Like oh I shouldn't be talking quite as loud as here, or I'm really hammering in on this uh, point that doesn't matter in the long run. But he's also. like one of the kindest guys I know, he is you know super supportive and just a generally really nice guy. He just has these this uh, thing that he needs to deal with, and I think he's learned how to do deal with it quite well. And you know, there's always spouse where it happens, and you know it's it's harder. But um, you know, he he does seem to be he. he has a pretty normal life otherwise you know he does he seems to be completely fine and the go-to for me as far as disabilities is my own father uh who is uh who's been confined to a wheelchair ever since i've known him he uh got into a motorcycle accident and was Ah. paralyzed from the waist down um back when he was i believe 19 and uh yeah they told him that he would never be able to have kids and so I was a surprise <laughs> because, uh, yeah, um, they didn't. You know, they thought uh, no kids would happen or anything like that. And I came along, and then I had to have two younger sisters. So prove that doctor wrong. <laughs> yeah, really. Um, but yeah, I have never seen like other than 
standing with support back when I was younger. He doesn't really do it much anymore because he is older now. Um, I've never seen my own father walk. He's been in a wheelchair the entire time, but he's also he's a mechanic. He's a damn good mechanic. He knows what he's doing and is can just get a lot of things done uh, and is just capable of a, a lot of different things that you wouldn't expect. He, he can drive. Yeah. He can do all this. He just needs a little bit of help with um, – Mainly loading up his chair into the car and then getting it back out, but yeah, oh, yeah I, I've yeah I've just gotten used to just helping him and doing all these little things. But for the most part, he's capable of doing things on his own. And uh, yeah, it's it's disabilities. You know, they they're not great, but they're unfortunately we live in a time where it's possible for a lot of them, a lot of people, to cope with them and overcome them for the most part, which is always good to see. Yeah, no, that's that's always. I mean, it's really is amazing how much accessibility and uh, you know, it, it, it's it's amazing how much we've been able to help people who don't have access to all the you know all the things that the rest of us do mm-hmm. uh, compared to how things used to be. I mean, it, it it can always be better. And I mean, I I often come across buildings where they don't like, and I'll notice this because my wife's really into accessibility related things as well. Uh, she actually works for Accessible Festivals, which is uh, geared toward helping disabled people enjoy music festivals. So that's something she kind of watches out for and has taught me to watch out for. So I often see buildings that don't have wheelchair ramps, for example. Like, things can always get better, but it is pretty incredible to see, you know, just how much we've been able to make advancements in helping those who have less live relatively normal lives. And I, and I use, I put air quotes around normal because normal is different for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, but yeah, I'm all about, you know, helping people enjoy their lives as much as they can, especially people who were just, you know, born without those advantages or lost them along the way somehow, like your dad, tragically. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's always, there's, there's nothing but good to be gained from looking for new ways to help people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I wanted to specifically touch on uh, for you, A Link Between Times, is you're talking about how you can't shake the feeling that you're worse than everyone else sometimes. And it sounds like you kind of have a, a voice in your head that kind of just gets really down on you. And um, just speaking for myself, I'm, I'm not autistic. I don't have ADHD. You know, I'm a pretty healthy guy. I'm very lucky. But one thing I do have, uh, and I haven't talked about too openly, um, is I've been diagnosed with really severe depression. And depression is something that a lot of people dismiss out of hand. Like, oh, it's, you know, just get over it. Mm-hmm. Get over it and just, you know, just be in a good mood. Then you won't be depressed. That's not how it works. Depression is something that, you know, it manifests in in ways that it doesn't make sense. Like you'll be having a good day and then you'll suddenly start getting down on yourself. And so what you said in Link Between Times really resonated with me because sometimes you'll be having a great day. It doesn't make sense, but you have this voice in your head that just, you know, keeps telling you about how much you should hate this aspect of yourself or that aspect of yourself or you're not doing enough or you're not good enough or those people are so much better. And I don't, you know... I don't, I don't have a solution. All I know is that you have to not trust that voice because you're always, always much better than that voice wants you to believe you are. So I can't pretend to know what you're going through, um, you know, and I wouldn't pretend to, but all I know is I have had that voice telling you how crappy you are and just, you know, reach out to people. Talk to people if you can. Hopefully people who understand how debilitating depression can be because, as I said, a lot of people don't get it. So, you know, just try to reach out and talk to people, but Trust me when I when I say that you are always so much better than that voice is telling you you are because I've been Absolutely. there too. So, just wanted to get that out there for you. I hope that helps a little bit. Yep, totally agree. So, yeah, yeah. so yeah, I'm, I definitely wanted to bring up these topics because you know always help out. You know, help out you guys, make you realize that you are worthwhile, and we we all have things that we deal with. So, 
it's, it's exactly and i mean we we i know i'm sure derek and i both appreciate uh the fact that you want to hear us talk at all i mean i know for <laughs> myself at least knowing that you guys give us an audience and care about what we say goes so much to me, toward making me feel like i matter and like i count and like you know that i have cool things to say that people want to hear so you know i feel like this is maybe our way of giving back a little hopefully giving some advice and helping out a little bit but thank you guys for giving us so much purpose and so much you know reason to do what we do mm-hmm. yeah totally agree <laughs> so, yeah even though it was a little long-winded good thing we got it out there yeah definitely but uh yeah thank you guys so much once again for these topics always appreciate them each week and uh always enjoy answering them uh and yeah, so this has been episode 41 of the Game Explained Real Talk podcast. Uh, once again, as a reminder, just for, for just $1 a month, you can uh, support us on Patreon to get these podcasts three days early every Friday, as well as being able to offer up topics like these. So uh, thank you guys once again. Uh, we'll see you hopefully next week. I don't see any foresee hopefully too much anything like Christmas Eve episode for patrons, hopefully. <laughs> so now, now, hopefully so, yeah. Hopefully that can work. Yeah, and we'll have to maybe have to kidnap Andre, so we'll see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you guys uh, for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. <laughs>